Hey everyone, and welcome to the locally sourced. Today's guest is Michelle Farrell, co-founder and co-owner of Straight Up Strong. Michelle is a local with a strong passion for education, fitness, movement, and focusing on the importance of dispelling the myths that overwhelm our society surrounding function, surrounding nutrition, fitness, celebrating the importance of movement and function. She focuses on helping people find the joy with food and movement. Michelle is a local, is a level one certified nutrition coach through the Precision Nutrition Certified Personal Trainer through National Academy of Sports Med. Get ready to feel a jolt of motivation, joy, and compassion for yourself and everyone around you. Hi. <laughs> hi, hi, hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. That was quite the intro. I, you know what? Just gonna hype people up. That's how I operate. That's great. Thanks. I'm like, who is that wonderful person you're describing? <laughs> Go look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks for inviting me on here. I can't wait to chat with you on this podcast. And Absolutely. <clears throat> so why give us a breakdown. Tell us an intro of yourself and be sure to hype yourself up how you got into uh, fitness, wellness, um, anything that pops up and what, like what really sparks like that motivation in you and what keeps. Mm. Okay. So, uh, as my cat runs by me, um, so I'm Michelle Farrell. I am a special educator by day and I am a certified, um, nutrition and fitness coach. Um, like you just politely introduced me, I run, and coach an online fitness community called Straight Up Strong with my amazing business partner, Tina Tang, um, which has been a true joy to find somebody who just absolutely compliments me in all the ways. Um, it's like another marriage, um, pretty much. So um, I started, so like I said, I'm a special education teacher. Um, I've going into my 19th year of education. Um, and at some point, like most educators, I stopped really taking care of my physical, emotional, mental needs um, because I was always putting other people ahead of me, right? And- Passion fatigue. Yeah, yeah. and. I was running um, an after-school program at my school, and I was pretty much working 6 a.m. to sometimes 7 or 8 p.m., depending on even though kids were supposed to get picked up at 6 p.m., we know that that doesn't always happen for whatever obvious reasons, um, and then all the paperwork stuff. So I was essentially working all the time, and I started to just feel blah, like all the time and super anxious and I wasn't sleeping well. Um, and somebody I worked with, um, I initially started my journey through a multi-level marketing situation. And, um, anybody who checks out my Instagram feed, which is where I mostly live, um, in social media, world, I, I am not a part of that world anymore. Um, mostly because of well, I guess I'll get there. Um, so I think it's important to start there though, um, because I thought that when I started working out and drinking those shakes, that that was what was making me feel better. But when in fact, it was just actually moving my body for 30 minutes a day and giving myself some time and attention, um, if that makes sense. So, but as I started, um, in that world, there was like that, a lot of pressure to, you know, grow your team and get more customers. Cause obviously that's like how you make money. Right. Yeah. And I was like, well, if I'm going to start selling this shit, <laughs> like I, can I swear on this? You can. Okay. If I, <laughs> if I can, if I, if I'm going to be still selling this and you want me to be making like running like challenge groups and and coaching people, then like, I feel like I should have some sort of certification. So this comes up with one of my problems with people who call themselves coaches who do not have any certifications um, in this multi-level marketing world um, is that you have people just like regurgitating 
whatever the company is telling them to say. And it is not all sound advice. And a lot of it is actually very disordered and not healthy in a holistic sort of way. So anyways, me being me, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be the most knowledgeable person I can be about it. So I decided to get my certification with NASM. And as I started to learn more, I realized how much was not actually like what I was doing was potentially harmful. Um, and then I just started to like break away from that. Um, and with my own journey with my own body image and relationship with my body and my relationship with food, constantly being on and off some sort of diet since I was the age of eight, um, essentially that um, there was a better way. There's a better way to live and you can be healthy. Like not everything is always hinging on how skinny you are, how small you are and always striving to get smaller is not necessarily what is going to make you healthier. Right. Um, so that's, that's what I do now is I work with folks who, um, want to move to feel stronger to build their muscle strength there for to move through the world feeling strong and confident and you know especially as we get older i just turned 40 so like as we get older we start to because of hormonal changes and just the natural aging process we start to lose muscle mass we start to lose bone density and like how can I help folks age in a way that allows them to continue to move in the world that makes them feel good um, and be as independent as possible during that, that aging process. Like aging with dignity in a sense, like. Yeah, so I've had multiple, multiple clients who like have like some knee problems for like uh, they've had recurring knee injuries or it hurts when they squat and they go to their doctor and their doctor says, well, just don't squat. And I have a huge problem with that because where do you need to squat in your life? Almost it's like functional movement. Yeah. So like, what's one of the first things you do in the morning, you get up out of bed and you go to the bathroom and what are you doing to sit on the toilet? You are squatting. And so then you have a doctor who's like, well, just don't squat. Well, eventually, if you don't ever practice squatting, then eventually you're not going to be able to squat onto the toilet. And then you're going to lose that independence there. And of course, I'm talking about, you know, there's a variety of different ways to get onto toilets. So if you're somebody who utilizes a wheelchair for movement or whatever, like, you obviously are moving in different ways. Um, but for many folks who do navigate the world in that way, I feel like that's really important to continue to have the strength to do that, to maintain that independence. Right. Right. Um, and even, you know, being able to lift things from the ground and pick them up and put them onto the counter or put them up and above your head or bring your groceries to and from the car or from your doorstep if you get them delivered, you know, um, putting your bag in the overhead baggage compartment on the plane. Yeah, so, I guess like you don't think like these movements are people until you lose that ability to be able to do them, people take them for granted and they're so trivial. And like, by the time at the point, like where you are not able to do that, like you don't realize just how much thought, like even second handed, like, all right, well, overhead compartment, like put it over your head. Do you have any shoulder stability or mm -hmm. like, you're not supposed to lift from your back anyway. So how do you lift something up? You start in a squat and you lift from your legs. Mm -hmm. And being able to prevent injuries. So you know, if you're chronically tweaking your back or you're having back spasms, well, what's going on in your core? What's going on in your shoulders? What's going on with your knees, with your hips, with your feet? How is all of that interconnected? And how can we make you 
as strong as possible to help make you more comfortable and to be more fluid through the world. Um, and I think that for so many folks, especially women, it's been, well, you do exercise so that you can burn calories right. so that you can lose weight. Um, that's often like, if you look at any magazine cover, and I know that some of the more popular fitness magazines have been trying to do more like body positivity, body inclusive sort of things, but there's still always a headline, like which cardio activity to burn the most calories or, um, even in a lot of group fitness situations, it's, you know, earn that happy hour meal or, you know. Yeah. And it's like, well, what if we, instead of focusing on, I need to lose weight, need to lose weight, need to lose weight, focus on, okay, how are, what are some movements and activities that I enjoy that keep me moving, keep me strong, keep me mobile, keep me flexible so that I can move through the world feeling independent and strong and confident and if I happen to lose weight while that happens, then, you know, maybe that's going to happen. But if it doesn't, like that wasn't like my main outcome because it's actually the healthy behaviors that are going to make us feel better. Um, right. Yeah, it's not, hold on one second. Give me one. <laughs> I'm house sitting and the dog was like blending in with the blanket and I couldn't find it. Oh. <laughs> He's wearing camo. Oh. Camo but but yeah. yeah, so it's the same thing with food. So <laughs> there's this, um, so I am not an intuitive eating coach. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I am not certified, like that's a very specialized certification. But if we think about with nutrition, a lot of this backlash from like fat loss coaches and like that more traditional, like get pumped, get buff sort of um, environment, culture of nutrition and fitness and wellness. They're like, oh, well, you have these intuitive eating people who just want you to eat um, cupcakes and donuts all the time. And it's like, no, one of the main principles of this is to eat food that nourish you, but also that if you're not constantly restricting yourself from those other foods and you allow yourself to have them, then you're more likely to have your donut and then you move on with your day as opposed to what happens in a more traditional diet situation is you restrict, you restrict, you restrict. Oh, I can't have that donut. Oh, it's bad. And then it's bad. And then you go somewhere and there's a pile of Cane's donuts and you're like, oh shit, I'm going to have like one piece of this donut. But because you've restricted so much, you eat more than maybe you would have under other circumstances, which is also not bad. But then because you're in a restriction mode, you're like, oh, I just blew my diet. I'm a terrible person. I have no willpower. I suck. And then you spiral. And then it's, well, I already did all this damage with that donut that I ate. So now I'm just going to not eat any vegetables for a week and a half. Then you feel worse and worse mentally, emotionally, and probably physically, because if you're not eating any vegetables, your digestive system is probably not doing what it needs to do, right? And then you then go back into, all right, starting on Monday, I'm going to be good again. I'm going to be good. And then you start again, right? That narrative is so, and I've done this myself too. Like I went for my personal training certification like two years ago. And well, then I got a call. So I went, I went for that a couple of years ago, but like I would say about 10 years ago, I trained for a bodybuilding competition. Mm -hmm. I will like never do it again. Um, and I commend a lot of people that do it, but that really like turned the tide for me on like food phobic 
And then incidentally, I wound up gaining like maybe 75 pounds. And then quick fix was MLM. And I probably within the past year and a half, two years, I was like, nope, I need to reestablish this. This is what I'm going to be teaching people myself. And like, it's so refreshing. And I've seen that shift in you over the past, like we've known each other through Instagram. Yep. <laughs> for, like I've seen that it's been like a divine shift for you, like from that mindset and just like really tapping into like what your values are. And it's so evident that it just taps into, it aligns with like what it is that you're teaching and sharing with people. And that is how you live your life. Mm-hmm. Snaps. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's so ingrained in us it, that it's like, you're supposed to be so like, <clears throat> uh, you're fat phobic, like to be so scared. And like, that's like the worst thing that could happen to you, right? That you can't even possibly trust yourself because you're going to go one way or and in order to be accepted socially, you have to go this way on the spectrum. And, you know, it's just like the backlash against uh, the health at every size movement is, you know, well, you can be healthy at any size. You can also be unhealthy at any size. But what so often happens is that you see somebody who is in a larger body and people automatically assume that they must be unhealthy and that they're going to be predetermined to have all these other health problems. And you see somebody on the other in a smaller body and it's, oh, well, they must be healthier, but that smaller person may, I mean, I hear it all the time. You know, I never were, I was just always thin. I never worked out. I never ate right. I just ate shit all the time. When I'm coaching, I don't say there's no food that's bad food or good food. But, you know, when you hear people saying like, I just, like, I never ate vegetables. I only ate like, you know, highly processed foods and I never had to worry about my weight, but it's like, well, were you really healthy because you were in a smaller body at that time? You weren't nourishing your body. You weren't moving your body. You weren't, and I'm not saying that that person was necessarily unhealthy, but we just get this association because of our anti-fat bias that we, that almost everybody carries. And it's really hard to unpack and undo that. Yeah. Um, Especially when we're thinking about our own bodies. No, it is. I think that's like in, and I've seen like even that narrative flip over the past couple of years, I would say, yeah, over the past couple of years, but like a real, like there's been a change, like the change has started, I say, I would say in the past five, but it's really taken on a new life in the past, like maybe two years. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, my social media is like, I'm mostly on Instagram myself, but my social media is mostly like, all right, like body movement. This is like, even NASA, they just, we did the whole OPT model too. Mm-hmm. But like, just like go out for a walk, go do something like physical activity is physical activity. Yep. And like what you might do, Michelle is going to be different than what I might do, but still it's a way that what it's, what works for you, what, what best works for you to, I wouldn't say get you the results that you want, but to really help you um, live the life that you want to and provides value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, So when folks are like, my number one goal is to lose weight. I say, okay, why do you want to lose weight? Well, because I want to feel more confident. Okay. Well, I know that confidence comes from the inside. Like if you don't work on that inner work and that inner you know, whatever is going on that you don't feel confident, no matter how much weight you lose, you're never going to feel more confident, right? Um, Or I want to be able to run after my grandkids. Okay, well, why do you want to run after your grandkids? Because I want to spend as much quality time as possible with them. I want to be able to bring them to the park. And if 
they run away from me. I need to go catch them before they go out in front of a car, you know, da, 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 da. And it's like, okay, so what if instead, what if we work on some speed and some strength, some cardio, some stamina, we build a program that works on those behaviors. How many days a week do you think you would like to work out sort of thing? And then build with those behavior-based goals that that person may then lose weight. But if we're really working towards their why of the weight loss, it's less likely just the physical out, the physical part of that outcome but more those other pieces about wanting to be able to spend time with their grandkids and moving and be on the ground with them and be able to get up off the ground with them and to feel confident and to, you know, be able to carry their groceries in on their own and do all those things, right. To be able to stay living in the house that they've owned for 50 years, instead of, you know, having to move to a assisted living space or whatever, like these are, but it, like, it's almost like folks, because we're so conditioned, people don't realize that there is a purpose to fitness and nutrition that isn't about weight loss or bodybuilding or, you know, that like, I just want to get huge muscles. You know what? Muscles are super cool. Like, I think that muscle, you know, muscles are great. Yeah. And you, by, but by doing, instead of focusing on, I want to grow my biceps by three inches. It's like, okay, well, let's get you under the barbell. Let's do, let's empower you to do some deadlifts. Let's do that sort of thing. And if you're progressively overloading your body, you're likely going to get bigger muscles. Right. Right. So you can't really control because there's so many other factors at play between hormones and genetics with like, I like what your body is going to do on the scale or even with a tape measure or in before and after pictures. Right. And we'll get into before and after pictures later, but if you can focus on what you can't necessarily control exactly the out that outcome that you want, that you think that you want. And, but if you can, you can control working out three days a week for 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah. Can have more control over, I'm going to go for two 10 minute walks a day. And it's going to be different for every person. And that's why it's really important. And it can be really helpful to have a coach to kind of walk you through because we also in our culture have this very like all or nothing mentality. And it's like, all right, I'm going to work out an hour a day, six days a week, plus that active recovery day. That's going to be a yoga day, which yoga is sometimes it, it can be a pretty high intense activity in its own if you're not going to like a restorative yoga class. Right. Um, and then I'm going to like cut all my calories down, eating the bare minimum. Like your people are barely fueling themselves with enough food to feed a toddler. And I'm going to walk, get my 10,000 steps a day. And they're going to do all of this, this huge overhaul all at once. And then three weeks in, they're like, I'm starving. I'm exhausted. I hate this. Yeah. Why am I like, they don't even enjoy their walks because it's like, I got to get my 10,000 steps. They're pacing around in a tiny circle in their dining room, like a dog chasing their tail, trying to get that last thousand steps. Yeah. And all of those behaviors can be really good for you. But when we go all or nothing, we're more likely to kind of lose the focus of like why we're even doing it. Yeah. So, and also you got to do what's going to work within your life. Right. If you work with children at a school 40 hours a week, you're likely going to be very like to need more food because you're going to be up and walking and moving. So, you know, kind of relearning, especially if you've been, if you're somebody who's been on and off 
different types of diets. And there's so many of them out there. Even if they're called a lifestyle, if they're promising weight loss, they're still a diet. Because it's not a guaranteed long-term solution. Right. I mean, 95, I think it's 95% of diets. Like when you're on a diet, 95% of people end up regaining that weight within one to five years. So like the odds are not in somebody's favor. And the more diets you go on, the less sustainable and the less well, quote unquote, they're going to work because your body's like danger. You're trying to starve me again. Right. Um, I'm kind of jumping all over the place now, but I just, uh, you know, because you've been on like all these diets, you forget and you've been following all these rules. And then you like, don't even know like what your body's telling you anymore because your body doesn't know what it's telling you necessarily anymore. Yeah. I think that's that I've gone through that myself. Yeah. Honestly. And I, I think, um, I have like, I don't have like a lot of autoimmune stuff, but I was born without a thyroid. So that's responsible mm. for overall body function as it is and metabolism. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like I just like the quick fix, like quick fix, quick fix, quick fix. And like, it's just, it's not. And I learned the hard way that it, it is not sustainable. And, but like, when and there's like an inner sense of resentment towards yourself when you do that all or nothing. And then like, like you alluded to earlier with like eating the donut, mm-hmm. I'll have it, but like, like, and it's just, it took a long time to get into my head. Like you can have this, like, you know, you can have this, enjoy it for what it is. Go about your day. Right. And, like, it's really easy to punish yourself. Like it's really easy, easy for someone to punish themselves. And, you know, like when you do, and then like, I don't know if we can get into this too, like the quote unquote cheat day, mm-hmm. where cheat is very misleading and incredibly deceiving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, the cheat day. So first of all, if you, if no foods are ever truly off limits, then you don't ever have to cheat or treat, right? Because that donut could possibly be a part of your breakfast every day. And there is, so there is also this piece where, so you have the like fat loss coaches and I'm not dissing fat loss coaches. Like if you are helping folks with what they think they want to do and what you are doing and it's in a healthy way and it's not in that sort of quick fix sort of way, do I'm not going to knock that. Right. So, but that's just not what I do. And there's a lot of fat loss coaches out there like that, 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 so I can actually, I have friends who are like, I can refer people to them. Like, that's fine. The people I work with who are just like, I don't ever want to say I'm going on keto or I'm starting the cabbage soup diet, or I'm doing this, or I'm tired of feeling shitty about myself all the time, but I don't quite trust myself yet to just like, do that myself, do that myself. So kind of making the bridge from that, like constant dieting to yeah. more in-tuned eating. I try to separate what I do from intuitive eating. Cause like I said before, I'm not a certified intuitive eating coach. Um, but like becoming more in tune with yourself and there is going to be a period of time when maybe you do eat only donuts <laughs> for a few weeks (laughs) because you have to allow yourself permission to do that. There may be a point where if you're still compelled to weigh yourself that you find that your weight is going up because your body's trying to like reset itself and you're trying to relearn yourself with trust. So by having like one of the, the guidelines or suggestions from a lot of coaches, nutrition coaches is to, you know, If you find yourself overeating on a particular food item, try to, you know, structure your environment so that's not in the house, right? Yeah. But then where that can potentially backfire is that when, if you, like me, I love Tostitos. I love them. I love the crunch. I love the salt. I love the dippability factor. I love Tostitos. Back in the day, I would never allow myself to have Tostitos. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So if I then went to somebody's house and there was a party and there was a bowl of Tostitos, I would eat the entire bowl of Tostitos. I would just park myself there. I'm going to allow myself to have these Tostitos. Cool. But then I'd feel guilty about it. And then I'd be like, well, I obviously, I can't control myself around Tostitos. I can have a bag of Tostitos in my pantry now and forget that they're there. And I'm not saying that to brag. It's just because now I know they're there when I actually really want them. So yeah. if I feel like, oh yeah, I want some Tostitos. I can go get a handful of Tostitos, some salsa or guacamole, enjoy them. And then if I want more, I have some more. But most often at this point, it's like, I know they're there and I can have them whenever I want. So yeah. um, there does take a period though where it's almost like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like exposure therapy, right? <laughs> like yeah. you, you leave that bowl of M&Ms on your counter. And if you're not used to having M&Ms in your house and you're used to being just like never allowing yourself to have them, there's a possibility that that now that you are allowing yourself to have M&Ms, that bowl of M&Ms might be gone in one handful. Yeah. But over time, that allure, that pull, they're not like a naughty item or a forbidden fruit that you're like, oh, I'm going to give into this temptation. It's like, oh, there's a bowl of M&Ms. Am I in the mood for M&Ms? Not really. Yeah. Not really. Um, but that like kind of circles back to folks who think, well, if you're not dieting, and you're allowing yourself to just eat whatever you want, you're never going to want to eat anything that's quote unquote good for you. But it, it, that's like not true. It might take a little while, but then you realize like, I feel really good when I poop every day. And that means I'm eating vegetables and I'm staying hydrated and I'm eating fruit. And then you might discover, you know what, when I eat beans every day, I feel a little bloated. Maybe I don't want to eat. I, you know, I'll still eat them, but I know that like I, my tummy might feel not as comfortable, or I know that I don't feel as sustainably energized if I only have a donut for breakfast. But if I have a donut and a bowl of fruit or yogurt or something like that, I'm likely to sustain my energy and my fullness for longer. So you kind of have to play with what combinations of food make you feel good while also taste good because that satisfaction is also important. Yeah. Um, like I eat vegetables, all, like I love vegetables. You know what I mean? And it's not, but it, they've, vegetables have become so synonymous with like dieting. Like even if you go out to eat with a group of people and you order a salad, there's almost somebody who's like, oh, you want to diet? Like people yeah. can't believe that you would want to just order a salad because you're in the mood for a salad. Right. 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 Um, sweet green. Have oh, you been, like, green. God. Oh, good. The guacamole greens are like my go-to. That's salad. Oh, good. And then it's just like, it's like one of those things. Like I, like honestly, like maybe like once or twice a week, I'm in the zone for it. Like I need it, but also I can't afford it once or twice a week. So mm. it's like a thing like where I'll go like when I really want it and I know I want it, but it's like, it just hits the spot, but you're right. Like you go out with someone and they're like, oh yeah, well you're, you want a diet? Like, well, no, not necessarily, but I like the taste of the dressing. I like the taste of, I like the crunch yeah. and I'm getting amped up to really enjoy that filet mignon that I'm going to have in like 25 minutes. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and like talking about like vegetables and talking about like what people eat, like, like let's, cause this just had me think about like, in terms of like the macros, like, mm -hmm. because that's also a huge component in like nutrition. It's a huge component in fitness and like for whether you're like powerlifting or what have you, like there are certain goals that you have to meet like every day. And in some senses, like it is still considered disordered eating because you either have to eat too much or you have to, well, not too much, but like, meet the needs. And sometimes that's really hard. So macro, macros are super trendy right now. 
but essentially what macros are, are fats, proteins, and carbohydrates. And alcohol is also considered a macro, but we'll put that to the side. Um, you need fats, you need protein, and you need carbohydrates to live. They all, they all have an important part of helping your body function. Mm -hmm. And what has, so protein mm -hmm. helps you with muscle growth and repair. So carbohydrates help you feel energized, help your brain function. They essentially, it gives you energy. And then fats help your hormones. They help you absorb vitamins and minerals. They can also be used as an energy source. So in the world of weightlifting and when you're strength training, you do wanna make sure that you get enough protein to help your muscles rebuild and repair themselves because what you're essentially doing when you're strength training is you're creating tiny tears in your muscles and by allowing them to repair, that's how they get stronger and potentially quote unquote bigger, right? So, but you also need carbohydrates to help you recover and to give you energy for your lifts. What people have, people have villainized carbohydrates as, well, if you don't burn all your carbs, they're gonna turn to fat which is not essentially like, that's a whole other lesson for another day that we're not gonna really dig into today. Essentially, whatever you're taking in, you want your, you, your body is utilizing. And mm -hmm. if it doesn't get utilized, it gets stored. And that can happen with any of the macros, right? Like you can store whatever. So what people have realized is that you can find ideal macro breakdowns almost if like if we think about like the zone remember yeah. the zone the zone yeah and I think that like that's a pretty good place to start for most people if you're like I don't know like I don't know what's gonna make me feel good and powerful and you know fuel my workouts and fuel me through the day like that breakdown yeah is a that 40 30 30 is like a good place to kind of start but then you can start to play around and pe there are people who help folks like kind of play around with like the macro breakdown. And, but then it can become like very just like calorie counting, like, oh, I got to get in. I got to like plan out <laughs> like you can eat anything as long as it's in your macros. Well, that's still a rule. It's like neurotic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can get that way. And I like to advise my clients to use their hands. And this is something you learn in precision nutrition. It's the like, I do think it's important for folks to kind of have an idea of what like a portion size looks like only in terms of, so they kind of have an idea of what to start with. And then if they still feel hungry, obviously go ahead and have more. Like, it's not like you can only have one palm of protein at this meal at this time of day. But if you don't have any idea that like a palm about your width and thickness of your palm is about 20 to 30 grams of protein, depending on what the protein is, right. then you have, you may not ever really know like what's working for you or not. So by it, that in a portion is like different than like the serving size but the serving size on like the side of a box or a can of soup or whatever, that doesn't mean that's all you can eat. It's just telling you like in a quarter cup of this soup, quarter cup, that's a really small serving. <laughs> but sometimes it's true. Actually, my friend Jordana just posted a thing about croutons and how like a serving size of croutons was like seven grams, which is like nothing, which is why that serving is half calorie. Is that a half a crouton? It's like this much crouton, but like, <laughs> so like, it doesn't mean that like when you have, when you know, like a portion or a serving, that doesn't necessarily mean that's all you can eat from that. It just means like in that amount, that's how much 
how many calories, how much protein, how many carbs, et cetera, are in this food item. Like this so, is what you look out for. Like this is what you're looking for. Yeah. Leave so you that back. like if you eat a whole box of cereal, <laughs> <laughs> that might be like, I mean, I'm sure there are sometimes you could eat a whole box of cereal and feel fun, like there's some, it's all it's so individualized, right? But um, kind of tuning yourself into like this much or that much makes me feel this way. Right. Um, but then also knowing like what, so there are some days that I hardly eat any main carbohydrate source, right? Like I might go all day and it might be like, oh, I had yogurt and I had a protein shake after my workout and I had a salad with grilled chicken on it. And that might be super satisfying. And then the next day I might be like, wow, I want some brown rice or I want some white rice. And, you know, the thing about like, white carbs being so villainized it's just like essentially any enriched rice or enriched flour or anything like that an enriched grain just means that that outer shell has been taken off so you're losing some of the nutrients and fiber Mm -hmm. from that food source but it doesn't necessarily mean that like white rice is bad it's just know that you might need to get some more fiber from some somewhere else that day Right. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, macros are super, super trendy right now. You're still going to end up if you're trying to lose weight or do body recomp, you're still in some sort of calorie deficit or manipulation, um, to help you reach that goal. Um, because calories are energy and it comes like you're taking in energy, you're putting out energy and the energy that you don't then use will get stored for later use. Right. So um, whether you're counting macros or you're counting calories, you're still manipulating that energy input. Um, so it's not, it's not like inherently bad. Um, some, coaches coach it better than others, just like everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I teach my clients about macros, but I don't teach my clients how to track and count their macros. If that makes sense. No, it does. Cause I think it's just like, that's, I mean, I feel like in some way, like we've all been deceived. Like we don't really like, we touched on this earlier about trust, like trusting yourself. Um, and like, it's going to be different for each person. Like each person's going to know, or maybe they're just going to need some more guidance with it, but they, it's like, it's unique as a thumbprint. Like not one person is the same, right? Your needs are not going to be the same. And like what you require, like for energy, like, and even take into consideration, like a typically like normal person versus someone with type two diabetes, their nutritional demands are going to be vast mm-hmm. anyways. So what works for one person in terms of macros is not going to work for the other. Right. And, you know, it's like, it can't, I feel like in some ways it can be kind of murky because like, it's, it can't be a cookie cutter approach at all. Right. And I think like, not even like with what the goals are, but like, hold on. Like, sorry. So not even in terms of like what the goals are, like fitness, wellness, whatever, like what, what does your body actually respond to? Mm-hmm. Like trendy or not? Like, I mean, some people respond better to different types of carbohydrates, mm-hmm. some sensitivities, but you know, I think that um, in regards to the macros, like the main point needs to be is like, it's not going to be the same for each person. Right. And if you're going to cater to that, if you're going to make that the niche for anybody, then that's something that you have, like, that that coach has to be very well aware of. 
and know right. like it's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of work and a lot of effort and time. Yeah. And I mean, like in any regard to any coaching or personal training, anything, creating a program, like anything. Yep. And that's why, you know, it can be so valuable to have a coach um, to help you. Cause not, it's not just like, well, and I mean, I guess this does happen a lot. Here's your program. Peace out. See you later. Like for, especially for the kind of nutrition coaching that I do, it's way more interactive and it's, you know, how did you feel when you were like at the party? Oh, how did you feel about, you said that you had a bad body image day. How, like, how did that, like, what happened before? What did you do after? Like, here are some strategies you can use to, to come to a more neutral spot about your body when you're having those really negative thoughts about yourself or, you know, to, cause nobody's ever going to feel like a million bucks about themselves every single day. So that's like super unrealistic. Um, so to come to a place of more like being body neutral, um, is much more realistic and healing for your relationship, um, with your body. Right. Um, but when you stop centering your entire world around food, the power of food is your, you, you are more empowered to do other things with your life. <laughs> if that makes sense, where like every single conversation isn't about food. Like you're not like, and I mean, you walk into the break room at work and it's like, oh, I'm starting this diet. I'm doing this. Ooh, what? Oh, I could, somebody commenting on somebody else's plate. Oh, I could never eat that, you know, whatever you're eating. That would go right to my hips. It's like, there's like this constant deluge that we have in our society and in our culture about talking about food and our bodies in a way that's like, so it's so fat phobic and it's so not emotionally or mentally healthy. And this is all by design to keep us from having conversations that really matter. Um, like why are people, why are we not walking into work break rooms at work and having conversations about what book did you read this weekend? What's in the newspaper? What are you taught? Like, where did you just travel with your family? Oh, I would love to go there. Where, like what? And those conversations are happening, but it's almost always, almost always coming back to somebody's food or somebody's diet. Right. It's eclipsed by that. Yeah. It's like constant. Yeah. That's, yeah, I just like, I remember like when I was doing temp work, like every Monday, oh, what restaurants did you go to? Like, I, the kitchen? Like, <laughs> um, where did you go? Like, and sometimes like, it's, it's the human condition to want to just like have a conversation. Mm-hmm. But it is a lot, a lot of it is like based off of that. Like, and then, so to kind of, I want to segue a little bit more into straight up strong because I feel sure. like a lot of this, like you and your business partner, like there's a lot of overlay from what we really discussed to what that looks like in terms of, um, what's your name? Tina, Tina. Yeah. Tina Tang. Yeah. So what the two of you, like the message and the mission in like what your value system is in terms of mm-hmm. like, uh, creating this and like, this has taken off over the last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, it originally started. So I've always, since even before COVID and the shutdown and gyms shutting down, I was still doing, um, some of my services were in person and then some of them were still remote. So this was something I was doing before that. Um, but during COVID and then it was like, you know what, like the shutdown seems like maybe it's not going away anytime soon. I had had this vision of creating an online fitness community where 
the focus would not be on weight loss before or after pictures or like crushing yourself. Like, you know, just a place where folks could learn to strength train and follow a progressive strength training program, but also have access to live group fitness classes. So where it's not just random like boot camp classes where you just go and you, you know, high intensity activities, but actually like a, a purposeful planned progressive strength program um, where you're challenging yourself to learn new skills. And like every single month we have some sort of deadlift in our program. We have some sort of squat and some sort of push up, and, you know, some sort of pull exercise, like every month, you're not only getting stronger, but you're perfecting your skill set with those different exercises. Um, so that, but then also building this community of folks who can come together. Like we have a weekly check-in every Saturday after class. And we talk about like um, the kids at camp or, you know, um, what vacations people are going to now that the world is reopened. And like during COVID, it was a lot of like anxiety around like what's happening or if somebody and, you know, ended up having COVID or their family members and like just being like a real support system for each other um, that wasn't always just related to fitness. Right. Um, but kind of blending the best of those worlds of like, instead of just like, here's your strength training program, go and do it. And here's, <laughs> yeah. And then here's this, like, we have three live, 12 live workouts a week, but they're all just like randomized, like whatever, which, and there's a place, a time and place for both of those. And those can work for people. But um, I had never seen a live group fitness class follow a structured strength class, like a st structured strength program. So yeah, um, that's what we wanted to do. Cause then you're in class and then whoever is the coach in class is then able to give you not just the cheerleading, but like also the, you know, form cues and suggestions on how to make your movement pattern more effective. And most of all, making sure you're safe in your movement pattern, right. um, which is really important. Um, and it's different. You still get the energy of a live class. Um, and a lot of folks who ended up coming to us and are members and still members was because like during the shutdown and their gyms were closed and they were at first, it was like, well, I'll try this like random workout on YouTube and they'd get halfway through it. And they're like, oh, this isn't really what I wanted. And then like, you know, like YouTube exercise, like video jumping. And yeah. I think YouTube videos can be a really excellent way for you to kind of get a sense of what different trainers are about. Yeah. But if, without actually don't let that drive by without actually um working more closely with the coach and what like whatever program they're offering you're never gonna see the full like if you're just jumping from exercise to like workout to workout to workout from yeah. coach to coach to coach to coach you're most likely not going to maximize the benefits or enjoyment um, of the progress that you could be making with a real structured program with coaches who know you. Right. Um, and especially if it's video. So we also, we do share the recordings, which is really helpful when people can't come to class. Excuse me, but it's, not it's not the same it, that's still not the same as doing a follow-along video right so for example so when we're doing the workouts when i'm coaching class i'm not doing the squats with you if you were in my class julia i wouldn't be doing the squats with you and counting the reps right i'd be watching you and the other people in class doing the squats and giving feedback to the class and individually based on what folks are doing yeah um, 
not just like motivate you, but to also like, maybe I know that like usually your range of motion's a little bit deeper. So I might say, hey, let's get down a little bit further. And then it's actually whatever, even if the cue was meant for you, you can see everybody else in class, like, yeah. all right, like doing that, right? Like you think you're lower than you are. Um, I should really pay attention to that type of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, Straight Up Strong is really um, a community like I have never seen and still don't see. Um, it's really unique in all of these different pieces that it has. Um, yeah. So I'm just really proud of it. And I'm really proud of what we've built and what we're building and excited to see how and where it grows um, over the next year and beyond. Yeah, um, you, the both of you have quite a following. I know I follow it and I'm just like, ah, like even just like with the stuff that I do in the gym, I'm like, oh, I never thought of it that way. And it's like, all right, well, there are some really crucial nuggets that the both of you put on there. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And I'm like, oh, okay. Never thought of it that way. Like, let's wrap our head around this a little bit. But it's like, it's really cool to see how, because I remember when you were just like in the works of it mm-hmm. and like a couple of times, like, Hey, I need to give this a shot. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, but it's just, it's really, it's so cool to see how it just like unfolded and just like manifested or organically like came together in its own. Yeah, it's been really cool because I mean, even so we've now we just celebrated our one year anniversary. So um, like now we have like a really good idea of like what's worked and like what hasn't worked and what our members want. And, you know, there was I know that there were some coaches who during COVID, like during the shutdown, like went online purely because like gyms weren't open yeah but our goal like this is something that i wanted to do even before gyms ever closed down like i don't like going to gyms they make me really uncomfortable um i that idea was reinforced this weekend when i was at a gym um and like when i had somebody mansplain how to do a bent over row to me um very irritating But anyways, I also, with my very busy schedule, the extra 15 minutes to the gym and 15 minutes back, sometimes I just don't have that extra half hour in my day for the gym commute. Um, Classes don't necessarily fit in my schedule. Um, If I have to like go to the gym and then do the class and then take a shower and then go to work sort of thing. So having... a a place where I know I'm getting high quality workouts from the comfort and convenience of my home, um, better fits into my lifestyle. And I know I'm not the only person who it does. So, um, great setup, by the way. Thanks. I'm so jealous. (laughs) Thank you. You know, we, and I am lucky that I have the gym that I have, um, that Seth, my husband and I have built together over the past several years, Um, and that we have that space, but the straight up strong workouts, um, you only need a set of dumbbells and or kettlebells, a couple of resistance bands. Like we design our workouts to be for home-based and Tina is out of, is based out of Jersey city. Um, we have a lot of members who are in New York city, in Jersey city, do not have a lot of space in their apartments for a gym. And these workouts have like, you can have a very effective home workout um, with not a ton of equipment, as long as you know how to continue to progressively overload yourself with the equipment that you have, which is why it's beneficial to have two coaches. (laughs) No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I mean that on the flip side, like there are folks, you could follow our programming and take it to the gym with you if you Mm -hmm. wanted. So um, wherever folks are more comfortable, but yeah, I think we had a different philosophy because this wasn't like going to be something that was just here for when the, for when gyms were closed, this was here created for a specific group of folks who need or want to work out from home. Yeah. Um, because the gym's just not working for them or like in-person classes are just not working for them right now. It just, 
makes it much more accessible. And plus, like you can work out with us from anywhere in the world, which is kind yeah, of yeah, that's cool. pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. Which is really cool. So <laughs> we love that. Um, but yeah, um, it's great. It turned out better than you know we ever could have expected. And actually, I mean, people still think, well, how can you have a community or have the same like relationships um, if it's just online, quote unquote, just online. I, and, um, I run a business with somebody I've never met in person. So. <laughs> and it's going remarkably well. And it's going remarkably well. So, you know, yeah, Tina and I, um, when we were the place where we were supposed to meet in person um, was canceled because of the shutdown and travel restrictions and stuff last spring. And we went ahead and we did it anyways. And we took a leap of faith. So anybody who thinks that, you know, you can't build valid close relationships with people online, um, just try. No, you know, seriously. Like obviously. So coaching last I mean, spring and it was the same thing. Like there are people in like Michigan and like Florida like I'm like okay well now I have a place to go when the world opens up again yeah yeah and if you usually if you use social media to be social yeah not like slimy you can meet so many incredible people and build real long-lasting friendships and relationships with them um no I agree cool I still talk to and I'm just like so like obviously there are people like you talk to and like you just like okay, well, eh, we'll talk about, we'll talk to them for the time that we're in this group. But then there are others, like maybe two or three others that I talk to like day to day, mm-hmm. like point where we're talking about our personal lives. Like, Hey, what's going on with you? Hey, I'm doing this. Can you help me? Like what's going on? So it's really nice to be able to, and like, there's a, there's also like a level of like, when you're doing stuff online, you have to let yourself be vulnerable to that. Yeah. Really open up and like, you know, like, there's obviously, there was obviously a case of vulnerability between you and Tina, like where you really had to like lean in and like trust each other that this was going to go well and trust yourselves that this was going to go well. Yeah. Cause you know, it was a little bit of a leap of faith, like, all right, we're going to do this. We'll see how it goes. It's going to go amazing. And uh, yeah, here we are. And we have the best members and (coughs) just very grateful, very grateful. Would you be able to tell us how many members you have or is that like classified information? <laughs> oh, no. So right now, so we have two different membership options available right now. Um, and we have right around 40 members altogether um, wow. right now. So. And then like inter- it intersects as well, too. So like. Yeah. So we have the membership that allows you to come to the classes. And then we have like a, it's called slice of strength. And it like essentially gives you the workout program through the app that we use. Yeah. Um, And you can like go and do the program yourself. Um, And you also, you do get the class recordings, but you don't, um, that level membership doesn't, you don't have access to come to the live classes. Right. Um, And then there's like some other perks of the the full membership. Um, like we do a week, a monthly workshop every month, um, where we've had different like guest experts come and do like mobility focus or, um, my friend Shanique did a nutrition, um, workshop with us. Um, we have a couple of cool ones coming up into the fall. I'm not ready to announce them yet though, because <laughs> all their members yet. Um, but yeah, we like to bring in other outside um, experts to do things. Cause I think that that's one, I always can learn more from other folks. And then also pe- other people have other areas of expertise that my members should, I believe should have access to. Um, and if I can't bring it to them, then I'm going to find somebody who can, um, which is cool. That's a really cool, like um, creative marketing standpoint as well. Like, okay, well, I know what I can provide you. Like I'm going to, mm-hmm. but I also want you to be able to get the most out of it. So we're going to bring other people in. Yeah. Best form of marketing is word of mouth. So it's true. Uh, in June, we did the um, fundraiser for the Trevor project. Um, right. 
with Stephen Cheng um, for, it was a yoga um, class. It was amazing. Um, so yeah, we like to collaborate with other folks and um, it's cool. It's cool. We meet a lot of people, get to network with a lot of people, get to collaborate with a lot of people. And most of all, we get to bring the best of the best to our members, which brings us a lot of joy to do that. Well, then you're doing the right thing. Thanks. I like <laughs> to think so. I like to think so. It's the right thing. I love it. That's awesome. <clears throat> you are, thank you so much for doing this. Way. You're so welcome. Thank you for asking me. This has been so fun. I always love to chat with you. I know we got to plan a time. I know we keep saying it, but like we got to figure something out, uh, which we absolutely will. And uh, where can people find you? So people can find me at underscore Michelle underscore Farrell um, or at straight underscore up underscore strong on Instagram. Um, website is straightupstrong.com or michellefarrellfitness.com. Those are the primary ways to find us. And then emails are the same. Michelle, Farrell fit, Michelle at michellefarrellfitness.com or coach at straightupstrong.com. So I would love anybody who's listening, you know, to come and reach out and come try a class or um, just have a chat, whatever, see how I can support you or if Straight Up Strong is the right fit for you, would love to do that. Um, this is awesome. No, this was so fun. And so thanks everybody for listening and thanks Julia for inviting me on. This was awesome. Absolutely. So everyone, this is the locally source. This is Julia. And today we spoke with Michelle Farrell and be sure to go um, give her a look over on Instagram and on the interwebs and get your strength up, practice some self-care and some self-love for yourselves. And we'll see you next time.